0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Damn it, I've been promoing this show for long enough, I think, and it was my own family's health that put it off for an extra week and a half, but it's finally here, ladies and gentlemen. It is guest day on Fantasy NBA Today. I know, I know. Like a gift from the heavens. Manna from the heavens, as uh, Rob Palenka would describe this episode. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Dan Besperis, your host, and I am joined today by our content director at Sports Ethos, Keith Cork, and betting guru, Mike Fiddle. Keith, good morning to you, sir. How's it going, Dan? Pleasure, guess... to, uh, pleasure to be here, finally. Just realized <laughs> it's not the morning where you are, but it's the morning where Mike is. Okay. Good morning, Mike. <laughs>
1: Good morning. They say health is wealth, so we got the best best
0: framing and good health. Now let's make everyone who listens to the pod some wealth. Well done. That was really nice. I enjoyed that immensely. We're going to be talking about Mike and Keith's season win totals. Uh, Again, we've been talking about this for the better part of two weeks, and then as many of you know, last week, my family came down with COVID, and so there really was no ability on my side to schedule an actual podcast. I did shows last week in the like 24 minutes between when my wife could get one kid out of the house to help her walk the dog and when she had to leave for work. And so they weren't, I'll admit this, my best shows in the history of the pod, but I got them out, damn it, because I wasn't going to have, <laughs> I wasn't going to let COVID make me miss two shows. But the beauty of today is that uh, I get to sit back and relax and just absorb The wealth of knowledge that you guys are going to lay upon me. Um, Keith, I think you, when we were talking pre-show, I think you had one more team that you wanted to discuss than Mike did. So we're going to jump straight over to you. We're going to dive right into team win totals. What is the first club that you want to talk about today? And uh, and everybody knows my thoughts on almost all of these because I didn't talk about all of them uh, last week and the week before, but um, I'm sure I'll Have an extra thought, but I I really do want to try to keep it between you guys as best we can. So, uh, Keith, get us rolling here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've got four teams that I'm looking at here with win totals that kind of stuck out to me, Um, and I think you know uh, Fiddle's got some really good ones too. And there's some overlap there as well, but we'll try not try not to uh, do that. But uh, first one I've got here on the docket is the Chicago Bulls, and of course um, we know I'm a big Bulls fan. We know I'm the host of the Ethos Bulls Pod. Uh, it's not. It seems like a homer bet. I know, <laughs> but uh, it seems like you know this line here, thirty-seven point five wins. I've got the over there. Uh, it's on BetMGM. It's at minus one ten for the, for the odds. Uh, I just think it's it's reflecting the sentiment out there that the Bulls are somehow going to move Zach Levine, and I think that the Bulls really want to move Zach Levine. I'll go ahead and preface that by saying that, but uh, they're just not going to be able to. That that contract is just not going to be movable. We saw what Bradley Beale went for. Uh, in the marketplace, obviously, Beal had a no trade clause, so it's a little different there. They probably get a little bit of a better return for Zach Levine, but um, I really don't think that's going to happen. I think the Bulls are largely going to go into the season with the crew that they currently have. Um, you know, maybe they add. Uh, they still have one more roster spot to add somebody, but they added Javon Carter this offseason. They also added Tory Craig, which I'm really big fans of both those guys, and they address directly the two biggest uh, flaws of this team, which are three pointers and uh and defense and so those are both three and d guys that I think are going do do wonders for this Bulls team and we saw what they did after the break you know when they had uh Patrick Beverly running the point guard and they were able to kind of shift the guys on their roster into more of their natural role so to speak you know Kobe white coming off the bench and uh Patrick Williams also coming off the bench next to Kobe white and they had a really good rapport with each other so uh they were 13 and nine I believe when they had after they had Patrick Beverly and so I'm curious to see what they do. I'm assuming they start javon carter and if they do then that means that we have that same bench unit and i really like that so um just all their offseason moves just seem to indicate to me that they're looking to win now and of course they applied for that player exception for lonzo ball it's a 10 million 10.4 million i believe exception which they haven't used yet but i do think that they are going to use it. i think they're going to be the uh, my big big bold take here is i think the bulls are actually going to be a tax team for the first time in a decade and the second time in the history of the franchise. <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out. So I'm going the over of 37.5 wins.
0: I, uh, I have one follow up for you, Keith, before I get Mike's thoughts on Chicago. Are you at all worried about something that I, I mentioned, I think, in my Bulls review, which, by the way, I did lean over with you on this? But one thing that does scare me is stagnation syndrome, where you're like mm. kind of running it back with a team that wasn't that great. Sometimes that pushes teams down. Are you at all concerned that that's something they have to fight their way through? And how do they do so?
2: Yeah, I'm not, you know, and again, I I, I know this is going to come off as a homer take. I'm usually one of the people that bets against the Bulls. I'm really not like a true homer where it's like, you know, the Bulls are great. The Bulls are great. I don't think they have a great team, but I think they're better than 37.5 wins. I think, you know, when you're talking about that stagnation, I think it's kind of the opposite in this case, because last last season they were 27th in win percentage in clutch games, um, despite being ranked fourth the season before that. I think that can only have some positive regression there. I mean, the clubs were just absolutely terrible. Um, But that wasn't because they weren't getting good shots. It was just luck. You know, it was balls bouncing off the rim when they were supposed to go. It was other teams scoring, you know, shots that weren't necessarily great quality shots. Um, So I think it's actually going to head the other way. So that's why, again, I lean the over here.
0: Mike, what are your thoughts on Chicago?
1: At 37 and a half, I don't have too many opinions into which direction to bet. But to back up Keith's points, and to add on two things he hasn't said yet, the East definitely got weaker. And Billy Donovan is a pretty undervalued and underrated coach in the NBA. So I like the idea of sticking with some continuity and being in that Eastern Conference. So I don't mind it. It's, it's Keith saying he's a, a Bulls fan and all that. It's, it's actually not a homer take. I want to defend him here. He's a very realistic <laughs> Bulls fan. So you can listen to this uh, fanatic telling you to bet the over on his team total.
0: <laughs> I had the under last year on Chicago. I thought the Lonzo Ball injury was going to derail them, and it—I I thought it kind of did. But I am also with you on this one, Keith. I—I I, lean to the over. I just—I think the number may have bounced too far in the opposite direction because of all of that negativity. But if they got off to a slow start, that's—that's that's, to me the big fear. Then because yeah. Demar mm-hmm. also uh, expiring contract, are you at all worried yeah. that he could get moved?
2: I could see them uh, – in an ideal world, they will move DeMar. I really don't think – I mean, I think DeMar <laughs> is clearly the, best, <laughs> clearly the best player on the uh, on the team. But I really uh, – I don't think there's a great chance of that happening, honestly. I think it's more um, likely that he signs with another team after he becomes a free agent. But I will say last year, I had no bets on the Bulls. So, you know, the under I was totally fine with. I realized how lucky we were the season prior where DeMar just had a crazy, incredible run. Uh, Heading into the new year, we had back to back three point winning game winners in different years. Um, That just, it was just, it it was a special season up until the Lonzo Ball stuff happened. And then it ended up being a a very mediocre season. Uh, So I realized that, you know, without Lonzo Ball in that lineup, it's just, they're not a good team. So uh, yeah, I, I didn't have any bets last year, but this year I'm on the over.
0: He is, by the way, at Ethos Keith on Twitter. Everybody's got new Twitter handles for me. The last time you guys were, uh, we did a pod together. And Mike is at Fiddles Picks. All right, Fiddler. Where are you going with with your first destination on today's show?
1: I think we'll start with a nice putt down San Antonio Spurs lane. Going with the under 30 and a half. I know you on the pod stand were you know, had some wide eyes when you saw that one thinking about the under. I am in total agreement with you. And a big part of the way that I gamble and approach these, and certainly you'll hear it throughout my discussion on today's show, is I know that these sports books know a lot more than I do. I know that they have algorithms and betting teams and stat readers and all of these things who can do this at a higher level than I can. So what I try and do is Observe signals kind of outside the on-paper team or on-court metrics of this team and say, what are they trying to signal in some of their off-season move? What is the urgency of this team? And we look at Popovich just signing a five-year extension and everyone thinking, could they be going win-now mode to try and win with Pop quickly and then send him off and get Victor with the new coach? Doesn't seem that way. Pop's going to stick around for a bit. They, they've they already announced that uh, Wembenyama's going to have injury load management his whole rookie season uh they're gonna prep his body they don't want him taking too much damage I think he's going to try and get to that 65 game threshold for season awards but I don't think anything beyond that and then if we just look at some of their basic roster moves that they've done this offseason acquiring Reggie Bullock from the Mavericks and acquiring Cameron Payne from the Suns actually I think his name's only campaign I don't think he's a Cameron Uh, Acquiring campaign from the Suns, (laughs) they used their cap space to absorb bad contracts a la the Thunder or the Pistons the last few years when they were linked to Fred Van Vliet. They were linked to Chris Paul after he got traded to the Warriors and where is he going to end up. They were linked to do they bring in a Brooke Lopez and pair Wemby with another established good center who could also defend in space. They did not do any of that. They acquired future pick swaps in 28 and 29 and have gone 0% into any sign of urgency to win now. So that was my first factor. It's like, okay, this team is showing that they don't care if they win 31 games. And what you do not want to be doing is rooting for your bet to hit more than the team itself. That's Mm -hmm. like one of my cardinal sins. Mm -hmm. So if you're really rooting for San Antonio to get the 31 wins and they don't really care if they get the 31 wins, you find yourself in a questionable spot. And then we also bring in the concepts of line shopping, line movement, understanding where things are opening up on the board. DraftKings opened this line at 30 and a half. FanDuel came on a few days later at 28 and a half and juiced to the under. So you were going to pay like a more than 55% implied probability to take an under 28 and a half. So I simply went over to DraftKings, took the minus 110, the two game cushion, and played the under thirty point five on the Spurs, and I really think this is a putt down win totaling.
0: Yeah, and and like you said, that was one that I also liked uh, because they really they don't need to win right now. There's sort of no point. Uh, uh, some of these teams, there are different things that they're trying to accomplish. I think where you know clubs that haven't made the playoffs in forever, they might feel the desire to push for a play in spot, but the Spurs, this is a. Generally, a we go for a championship or it sort of doesn't matter type of franchise. And they've got this this young generational talent who is going to have a significant learning curve. Keith, do you want to play devil's advocate on this one or are you on the same side as the rest of us?
2: So full disclosure, let me uh go ahead and say anytime Fiddle makes a bet, I follow it 75% of the time, <laughs> at least. And the only times <laughs> I don't follow it are because 60% of the time? All the well, time. That's, yeah. that's right. And the only times I well, because uh because the line shifted against me I, I don't like it at that point so uh so i will say yeah i'm totally on this i i totally agree with every point that fiddle made there uh, i mean i'll also add just as some kind of wrinkles there to incentivize you to bet that a little further is you know i was talking about trey jones the last couple seasons and people were all over him last season rightfully so i mean there's really nobody on the depth chart that was going to take a starting position over so the minutes were absolutely solid there so in fantasy obviously he was a very popular pick in the middle rounds there but, you know, that contract that we saw him get in this offseason, which was, what, two years, 18 mil or something like that, 19 mil, uh, where he's getting basically 9, 10 mil a year. I mean, that screams backup money. That's not starter money. Uh, they brought in campaign mode. Uh, that's his full name, by the way, Fiddle. Campaign <laughs> mode. Uh, and, you know, I really think those guys are going to buy for, for that starting position. They've still got Devontae Graham there. So, um, you know, there's, there's kind of a mixture of just <laughs> underwhelming point guards at that spot. And then Kelvin Johnson, I've never been a proponent or a buyer of his. Uh, in terms of real basketball fantasy I see the appeal there. Um I've never really been on board with that either, but there it is. Uh, and I don't even know who starts at power forward for this team. I mean maybe Jeremy Sochan Sohan, maybe uh Reggie Bullock, maybe you know Doug McDermott gets in there sometimes. Jetty J- Osman now. I mean Keith, Keith, it's actually Victor. You think he's gonna start a power forward? Yeah, there's no
1: chance there's no chance he's gonna play the five
2: interesting interesting so that's I mean, that going to be very similar Smith?
1: to to Mobley in Cleveland or Jaron Jackson in in the Grizzlies we'll talk about the Grizzlies soon but um yeah it's, he's going to be that lengthy four maybe similar to Chet in OKC this season but for now and that's not going to result in a lot of regular season wins right off the bat cuz he's going to be an inefficient shooter he's not going to be spacing the floor well and for all those reasons I think we're looking at a Wemby season that Kind of mimics Durant's rookie season where he was putting up numbers, but the inefficiency wasn't there, and the Seattle Supersonics won 20-something games.
2: So I'm kind of curious now because I know we've talked about this back and forth a bit, Fiddle, and I know this isn't the point of the pod, Dan, so I apologize. Have at it, man. Bogart it. But now I'm interested if you know we had the choice of taking Wemby or the field for Rookie of the Year, so which way are you leaning on that now, Fiddle?
0: Uh, So I have
1: a little Rookie of the Year portfolio that I have going on between Wemby, Scoot, and Chet and I'm very happy to take no one else besides those three, I do still feel strongly that I would take Wemby versus the field, actually. He is going to be the focal point of this team, and I do think it is a matter of if they get to 65 games. Winning in the NBA has never, ever correlated with winning rookie of the year. There was that one year where it was close between Barnes and Mobley, and I think they gave the edge to Barnes because the team was doing a little better, but they were like had the very same stat set. Stat, stat set. If we look at any other year, wins don't matter.
2: So I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. That, well, uh, I'm all aboard. I like the, uh, I like the future here for the Spurs, but yeah, I'm all aboard that under. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. This season,
0: <laughs> no, the, the 65 game threshold is an interesting thing that, that, uh, that hasn't come up a ton on this show before, but it is something that folks are going to have to watch out. It's funny looking back at this last year, it was almost like a couple of players were just seeing if they could do it in future seasons. Do you guys know who the two fantasy studs were that played exactly 65 games this season? Top, inside the top 20 that's your hint i think didn't play 66 he did 66 two guys Ooh, played, two 65. guys played exactly sixty five. miles turner uh no i think he was in the 50s uh 62 oh. sorry miles turner was 62 two guys that you'd think of and the first thing that pops in your head was these guys don't play that many ball games when well, they played exactly 65 this year folks picture this nightmare scenario Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D R I Z L com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Christops Porzingis. And- I was going to say KD. Uh, yeah, yeah. oh, that was my one
2: I was going to go with. And top 20 this
0: year. Jimmy Butler was the other one who got to exactly uh, 65. Okay. Uh, Keith, fair. we'll roll back into your territory here. Where do you want to go next?
2: Uh yeah, absolutely. So next is my uh my favorite team this season. I, I'm just gonna be all of this team. I love it. Um it's a big number here, but Oklahoma City Thunder over 43.5 wins. Uh man, that's that's a big number, but minus 130, it's on BetMGM. MGM. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm all in on the Thunder this season. I think you know people are really uh, forgetting about Chet Holmgren and how good he is. Uh, I've already had a little bit of a Twitter spat with somebody in your feed there, Dan, about whether or not he can actually <laughs> score the basketball, uh, which yeah. he he absolutely can. He's got a fantastic mid-range jumper, ability to get to the hole. I mean, he's uh, I'm I'm all over Chet. I think he's going to be a fantastic NBA player, uh, offensively and defensively. And I think they have just such a unique blend of young talent and. They're going to find some veterans out there who are going to be wanting to join this up-and-coming squad. You're looking at their cap situation, and they can add a really nice, solid wing piece. I would look for them to add somebody Um, that's going to be a big name. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't want to throw actual names out there because I just don't know who's actually available out there. But, uh, you know, you're looking at some of these guys that, that could be available that are, like, big wing players. I think uh that's the kind of guy they need to add uh, to the squad to really take it to the next level. And, you know, they're in the situation now where they have too many – people on the roster that they're going to have to cut some people, um, in order to make space and, you know, why not trade them for other assets? I mean, it's possible. So I just think they're in such a, such a good position. I mean, uh, hats off to them. Um, but over 43 and a half wins for me.
0: So you guys know, I said that I thought this number was like really tight and scares the living bejesus out of me, Mike, I don't know where you stand on this one. What's your take on the thunder?
1: I think the number is perfect. Let me ask Keith some follow-up questions. Keith, what do you think of the Minnesota Timberwolves this year? Uh, fire, fire fade? I am fading. Okay. If you are interested in the over 43 and a half, let me try and give you one also angle to play into this as an escalator bet. They are plus 900 to win their division, and they mm-hmm. sit in the division with the Utah Jazz, the Portland Trailblazers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and, of course, the vaulted and vaunted Denver Nuggets. So if you think that Jokic, who's been exceedingly healthy the last few years, has a chance of getting a little dinged up or taking a step back. And you think this OKC team is taking that launch step forward. Uh, It would be an interesting angle to also play not only a little bit of over 43 and a half, but taking a nice nine to one escalator on a division if they're in a weak division relative to all other but one teams.
2: I am into that. Um, I'm into that bet. I'm going to look into it as soon as we drop here. But, yeah, I'm all (laughs) over the Thunder this season. I I really do think that they have a chance to win that division. I mean, am I crazy for that? I mean, do you see the same things I'm seeing?
1: I love the Thunder and what they're doing. I've played a lot of their title odds before the win totals and divisional odds dropped. I got them for, like, a max exposure bet, which is three units for me, at 120-1 to to win the NBA Finals. Now, do I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to win the 2023-24 NBA Finals? No, I do not. But I do think they're certainly a playoff play-in team. They are going to be in that hunt late in the season. And when I grabbed in 120 to 1 odds, I knew I could just simply work off this in the other direction. So by all intents and purposes, Keith, I do have exposure to their overwin total because it is going to take 44 games in this Western Conference this season to get there. I just played it from a slightly different perspective,
2: but I'm with you understood that understood that i think you know one thing that also stands out to me is that you know the last what four seasons whatever it is they, they haven't really had a solid or you know set in stone you know uh lineup i mean there's no there's been no rotation that's been you know game in and game out these are the guys that they're playing yeah i called and it since...
0: i think i called it the carousel on this show yeah. often
2: yeah it's been difficult to, to try to judge that for fantasy purposes obviously and and even for betting purposes You, know, I, I bet player props obviously for sports ethos. And uh, it's always difficult in a headache. And I, I generally just stay away, but I think this is the season that they actually have a rotation where they have actual starters and an actual six man. And uh, you know, we can, can kind of have a little bit of a net set or watch to it maybe, but you know, as the season progresses, we'll start to see those roles solidify, I think.
0: So one of the reasons that I didn't go to the over on this team is that I think there's going to be an adjustment by the league to what they saw last year. I think that the thunder had, Something that I've referred to, and this is sort of remedial handicapping, but as the surprise wins, where teams are like, oh, the Thunder, we get to kick them for another year. And then Shea came out and he just dominated everybody. Uh, And next year, I think teams are actually going to bother game planning for the Thunder. So I feel like they get better, but everybody also plays them better. And that sort of ends up wiping each other out. And again, this is not like getting into the weeds too much. It's a very broad kind of 36,000 foot sort of look at this thing. Uh, but that's why I didn't do anything with the thunder. Um, but they are, they're going to be a fun as hell team. That's for damn sure. Dan, Dan in the betting world, we call that wizard syndrome where <laughs> the
1: team that is weaker, like in this case, previous years of Oklahoma city thunder, right. When the Lakers were going in there, it was, it was a night off for AD. It was a night off for Tatum when, 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 Boston went to town. Yep. Now they are going to get 1A guys left and right. So they are going to face tougher competition. We call that wizard syndrome because there was a few years ago where the Wizards had an amazing start the first year under Wes Unseld. You actually look back and at it, they, they didn't play any tier one guys. When they beat the Sixers, there was no Embiid. When they beat the Celtics, there was no Tatum. So <laughs> they call it wizard syndrome.
0: Yep. That's the uh, suddenly you got a target a little bit now. I think Denver is actually going to have a target on their back for the opposite reason. Now, having won a title and having called out the media incessantly, teams are going to want to go in. Mike Malone. Yep. They're going to (laughs) want to go in there and club them this year in a way that teams haven't really cared about in the past either. Uh, Fiddle, your turn again. And then after that, I want to remind everybody of one of our new friends here on the show. But, Mike, I want uh, team number two for you. All
1: right. Let's do the Memphis Grizzlies. I do feel this is a super important topic to discuss in the discourse of basketball right now because i think it is being so miscovered i've talked about it on my pod a few times go listen to the advantage but it's also just everything we're hearing about the grizzlies right now is john morant suspension uh brandon clark dealing with an injury uh you know all of this turmoil surrounding the team some playoff flameouts. lost tyus jones and the best backup point guard did they spend too much on marcus smart everyone's really riled up that the Grizzlies are not doing the right things. But if we actually take like a call our 22nd coach's timeout and say, wait a second, let's look at the way that their cap sheet is lined up and what might happen with this team this exact season. This is a key season for the Memphis Grizzlies because of their cap situation. So one thing I always talk about is, and I just said it earlier in the pod is, I'm looking at things off of the court. I'm looking at ways that the team is signaling away from the court to show what they're positioning themselves to do and what they plan to do and where they expect themselves to go. Where's the organization signaling of their goals? So if we look at the Memphis Grizzlies and I'll quickly run through some of the players, Jaron Jackson jr. Is in a four is in the third year of a four year deal where he's only getting paid $22 million a season. So he is an absolute steal. John Morant after the issues on Instagram last season caused him to miss all NBA that saved 40, 39.7 million dollars for the Grizzlies going from the fun max to the super max escalator, uh, the Derek Rose rule, which now D Rose is in Memphis. You look at, you look at Marcus smart who they acquired. He's locked under contract three years under 20 million. The next three, you look at Desmond Bain. He just signed a five year, 207 maximum extension. And you're thinking, Mike, well now Desmond Bain is super paid. How do the Grizzlies have a good cap sheet? Well, Desmond Bain's an extension, so it doesn't start until next year. So Desmond Bain is actually making $4.4 million dollars yeah, this season. He nuts. is clearly the best value in the NBA. And this is all set up for a for a situation, whether it be John Morant saving 40 million and the 25 games being another 8 million, Bain being 4.4 million, Jackson being 20 million, Smart being under 20 million. They are in a beautiful, beautiful cap situation that they are going to try and acquire someone at this year's deadline because going into next season, the Bain extension kicks in and then they will be over the tax and they will have their core. So they need to acquire that last piece this season. And we know that they've gone big game hunting. We know that they offered five first round picks for Mikel Bridges when he was going from Phoenix to Brooklyn. They tried to swoop in and make that a three team deal. We know that they've tried to target OG Ananobi. We know they've been linked to Pascal Siakam. So we know the Grizzlies are going hunting for the big fish. Like they are in the waters swimming for the big fish. And if we get get that, maybe this February, I'm not exactly sure how we play a win total on them, but we need to be absolutely playing futures on the Grizzlies because their title odds are 30 to one right now and if this team expects to go into next year's playoffs like they would like to they will never be a 30 to 1 odds again for the next 4 or 5 years with this core so i think this is the most mispriced and misdiscussed team in the nba and i know i don't have a, the best win total because there are going to have some moving parts this season so i don't know if i would play their over 46 and a half but i would absolutely grab an escalator bet on them i am w- going to be waiting for some seeding to come out to for them to play to be the second seed again or to be a under a, a four seed again. I really like this Grizzlies team. They're doing some dangerous things and they are planning on getting way better midseason.
0: Well, I have good news for you, Fiddle. DraftKings has actually moved them to 45 and a half. Could they could you be teased with that number? No,
1: I think it was always 45 and a half. I think I misspoke. Um I just oh, think okay. the, the, the 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 30 to one for the title odds is that's really where the value lies. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm interested in a, in a 45, 46 win Grizzlies. I don't think that's a big deal at all. they also have a Taylor Jenkins coach, which is like a direct Spurs Popovich guy. And he's going to be like one of those, the reason why the Memphis Grizzlies are 21 and five without John Morant or like always good without John Morant is because they play a very Spursian system where it's plug and play with the next guy into the system of the role player. Obviously, John Morant elevates the ceiling, but in a regular season, this team can churn out some wins with the pieces they have.
0: Yeah, I was leaning to the over on that one as well. If Folks, remember back when I covered the Southwest Division, and a lot of it was because what you were talking about. I almost auto-fade the big stories, whatever you hear, whether it's, you know, team acquires superstar. I play the under. And for the Grizzlies, it's superstar suspended. I'll go to the over. These lines tend to overreact a little bit. Keith, where are you with Memphis?
2: Yes. Uh, fade the public. That's, that's absolutely good. Sound advice there. Um, yeah. I, am I'm, I'm entirely in step with fiddle here again. I mean, I, I hate to make this less entertaining than it could be, but, uh, but I do think that that escalator bet is where my, my interest would lie there because I think 30 to one, that's just, that's just ridiculous. I mean, the, the Grizzlies are much better than that and much closer to being in a championship than some of the other teams in, in front of them in those, those uh, odds. So yeah, I, that number the win total, I'm not super interested in that. I don't, I'm not, convinced that Marcus Smart is a great fit um on that team uh I am worried about the John Morant situation with the uh you know it's not just that he's suspended for 25 games it's the history and the pattern of you know for lack of a better term misbehavior that makes me um wonder about it and wonder about the rest of the team and how they you know um feel about this situation but I think you know as long as you have Jaron Jackson Jr. on your team and he's going to be underrated um you're going to have a very good team. You're going to win a lot of basketball games. So, um, you know, I, I would lean towards the over there. Uh, I'm already on that bet for the championship odds with, with fiddle. Um, think that's going to get better as we progress here, but um not super interested in the over for the win
0: total. I like the over more than you guys, I think. Um, and, I whoop, I just got an <laughs> email from my kids camp that I may have to reply to in the uh, in the middle of our uh, in the middle of our podcast. Um, Steven Adams is one of the big reasons that I actually like the season win total over as well. He was gone for more than half of last season, and he is a truck on that team between screens and offensive rebounding. Um, I think it was a big reason, actually, why they had their playoff flame out. Uh, they just didn't have a competent big man, and I know they don't need him to score much but he forces teams to respect their guards in a way that teams just didn't have to once he wasn't there anymore because he knocked four people out of the way on his way to the glass, and once he wasn't in there, like, are you really that worried about Xavier Tillman? I know he had one good game against the Lakers in that playoff series, but it's uh, it's a pretty different look. But uh, I do want to stop and remind everybody of our pals over at calderalab.com. We had a funny conversation here, actually, before we started recording Fiddle was talking about how he is actually that person that I've described, the like one out of 20 who is a male who takes care of his skin and no one believes him when he tells them how old they are. So why don't the rest of you follow suit? Because I don't know, man, Keith and I, I turned my webcam off. Keith is kind enough to leave his on while we're recording. We have children. We've been beaten by years of child care. We need this stuff. Head to calderalab.com, use promo code ETHOS and get the regimen. It's just two minutes in the morning and two minutes in the evening to help reduce the signs of aging in your male skin. It's skincare that just has not been tended to in forever. All the skincare products you see on TV, on the radio, those are geared towards women. They have a product line out that is finally out for men. I know I've talked about it on the show a bunch. The Icon, E Y E C O N. Reducing signs of aging around your eyes, fine lines, wrinkles, the puffiness—my God, the puffiness—and uh, so get that now. Twenty percent off. Promo code ETHOS E T H O S at CalderaLab.com. And a big thank you, as always, to my buddy Dom over there as well. Keith, we're motoring back over to you for Team Number Three. What's up your sleeve? yeah
2: so uh team number three for me is going to be the toronto raptors and i've got under 37.5 wins that's minus 130 odds on bet mgm as well it's actually my smallest bet out of the four that i have um but you know if we look at the raptors i mean it's a team that ranked 27th in true shooting percentage 25th in pace um they lost predominantly obviously to the to the rockets and i just think it's such a huge loss for them. And, of course, you know, this win total does take that. It's it's a little bit baked in here. I mean, this is a lower win total than they had last season, uh, I believe. But, um, you know, when they blew that play-in game with the Bulls, it just seemed like such a death knell for this team. I think, you know, their weaknesses were really on full display in the in the games where they did uh, lose like that, where it's just they struggle on the offensive end. They just can't make things happen. And you take out a, a very talented guy getting to the rim getting to the free throw line, and Fred Van Vliet. I mean, they added Schroeder. Um, And I think they're really, really, you know, obviously banking on Scotty Barnes being that kind of point forward, point guard uh, for them into the future. Um, But I'm just not buying this team. I think, you know, all the the rumors circulating about them wanting to trade Ogn and Obi and Pascal Siakam, I think there's a real good chance that either of them does get moved. Um, I'm selling on this team. I think, you know, I think they're going to end up, uh losing before they get better again but i do think they're going to have a quick turnaround they're going to be a great team again you know next uh, couple seasons but i just think this season's going to be rough for them
0: fiddle i'm pretty sure from uh, what i've seen of your work that you are alongside keith on this one
1: i think this one's my biggest bet of the win totals so far it is i did get the line at 38 and a half when it first dropped it's now down to 36 and a half so i was a little hesitant to speak on it and give it out with such authority because i have a better number by two games it's hard to get that in the market now i still like the under 36 and a half uh to keith's point they lost fred van vliet and they brought in dennis schroeder and malachi flynn that's not really a replacement for a point guard they think they're going to do this whole scotty barnes at the point guard experiment which was a nick nurse dream but nick nurse is no longer the coach there so much of being able to use barnes as your point guard was to be able to facilitate a six eight switchable perimeter oriented inside out defense which was whole, nurse, nurse's whole scheme that no longer exists they brought in a nice way to tie this back to the memphis grizzlies one of their development coaches and darko Rajankovic. i think this is going to be a development year for this team this line reminds me of last season when the hornets were priced at like 37 and a half because they had been coming off a like 40 something win season but all signals pointed to them going heavily to the south. So I know we talked about the Raptors and we say like we the north when we re- when we reference the Toronto Raptors and the Drake shirts. They are the going south Raptors this season. It is going to be a disaster. Uh, I would go heavily into that under 36 and a half. And then if I could just segue this right on over, Dan. Yeah. Part of the loss of Fred Van Vliet is a great reason to bet the over on the Houston Rockets 30 30- I think it's at 31 and a half now. I got it at 30 and a half. But I also love the Houston Rockets over this season. I know you were talking about it on a few shows ago as being one of the lines that really confused you. So let me try and convince you to be in on the Rockets over. They uh, go into this season not controlling their first round pick for the next four years. So they owe swap rights this year. They owe pick outright the following year and then they repeat that process in years three and four swap and then outright loss so they have absolutely zero incentive to be bad if they lose and they are a bottom four team in the nba they still have an over 50 percent chance of giving up their pick because it's top four lottery protected but given the way the lottery odds work this team is very unlikely going to be keeping their pick and therefore, they are starting to develop a basketball culture centered around winning. They brought in Ime Udoka. They brought in a lot of good vets in Van Vliet, in Dylan Brooks. The, the, the nonsense that we're talking about Dylan Brooks has gone too far. Like I was Mr. And Keith's done 100 podcasts with me where I've always said about Dylan Brooks, shoot less or make more. Choose one, buddy. But we have gone <laughs> way too far on the other end of this spectrum. Dylan Brooks is still a very good NBA player. Uh, he's a second team all defensive guy. He's now on a declining contract, similar to the Jaron deal. He's going to be a good piece as the Houston Rockets try and develop and win games. They brought in Uncle Jeff Green, nice, fresh off a championship, and go and tell these young guys how it's done. They brought in Jock Landell, who can play some interior and perimeter rim defense for Ime. If Shangun is getting worked on these screen and rolls, he's going to be pulled out, and they're going to put Landell in. So this season, is very much setting up. I know I like to compare to past teams. This team reminds me of last year's Orlando Magic, where it is going to be culture-setting winning for 82 games. Even though they are not going to be a very winning team, they are going to be pedaled to the metal. They are not going to ever put in a lineup that says, okay, we're eight games left in the season. Let's try and prioritize draft position because they have absolutely no reason to do that. They, don't, they can't improve their draft position. So they're going back to last year's magic or the bubble suns when the bubble suns established culture in those last eight games and then came and made the finals the year after. So I look for this Rockets team to be a team that really takes a step up the rankings, tries to be a play in playoff team. I don't think they're going to be any dangerous threat, but I do think they are going to rattle off some, some regular season wins with some high octane offensive players and some players who can really defend between Jabari, Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, uh, Jock Landau, they have, and Tar Eason, they have like some lockdown defender. So I would, I would think this is a
0: buy team for the Houston Rockets. Keith, where do you stand on the Rockets?
2: Yeah. I'm um, just going to pair it by get my guy Fiddle here. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely all of this Rockets team. I think they're going to do um, again, like, like you said, Fiddle, you know, they're not going to be a great team I don't think, but they're going to be trying to win every game. And uh, Hey, he's from Rockford, Illinois, went to Wichita state university. I've got all the connections here to Mr. Fred Van Vliet uh, living in Wichita for a while from from the Rockford area originally. Uh, So he is my guy. He is my guy. And uh, I do believe he's going to help to set a little bit of a tone here with the Rockets, which they've been sorely missing. I mean, obviously, they've been starting Kevin Porter Jr. at the point guard position. And uh, as a former point guard myself, I do tend to overvalue the position. So take that with a grain of salt. But I do think, you know, when you're talking about a floor general, I would very much rather have have Fred Van Vliet. Than uh, Kevin Porter Jr. as my floor general out there, um, but yeah, Jalen Green is being underrated right now. Dylan Brooks, like you said, fiddle absolutely underrated and big guy in fantasy as well. I don't think he's a great fantasy player, but I think in deeper leagues he's a guy I'm targeting. Uh, so I'll you know just throw that out there as well. But Jabari Smith, I, I do love his game. I um, think he's going to develop into a very very solid uh, NBA player. Uh, he's got that you know kind of frame where he can be a Jaron Jackson type. Uh, you know, if you can just develop those defensive instincts a little bit. But Shingoon's the one question mark here in the starting lineup. And uh, like you said, I like Jacques Glendale as a kind of stopgap in case uh Shingun doesn't work out where he's just getting absolutely worked on the defensive end, which could very well happen. Um, so I do think you know all the pieces are there for these guys to grind out, you know, somewhere in the high thirties, uh, you know, win total and maybe make the play in. Um, you know, that would be a really good win for them, I think, and be a, a nice step in the right direction. I was not a big Steven Silas fan, so seeing him out and then them you know, putting may Adoka in there uh, is obviously a huge uh, upgrade as well. So uh, I think everything's moving in the right direction for the Rockets, and like I said, they're incentivized to win now. So yeah, I'd be on that over as well.
0: Yeah, I guess my only question on the Rockets is it, it, not about whether or not they win more games. I mean, they'll definitely win more games than they did last year. It's whether they win enough more games to get to, what is it, 31 and a half you said now? So that's 10 more than last year, is all of this enough to get to 10? And, Mike, you are obviously saying yes and then some. Yeah, I
1: think it's I, – I don't really compare this team to last year's team. Keith mentioned the coaching change, uh, the veterans' presence that they brought in. This was one of the hardest teams to watch last season. Uh, I can't – I got to be honest. I did not watch many Rockets games. I think the hardest. To, I think the hardest, yeah, by if, the way. Yeah, if you wanted to bet a – player prop over. You just took the star player going against the Rockets that night. They literally all, if you look at the stats from last season, it's hilarious how many of them had their season high or yeah. career highs against the Rockets. Yeah. Uh, I want to second the part on Jabari Smith. This kid is incredible at basketball. He has never been in a appropriate system and he's never played with guards who can get him in the right spots to get the right ball. That goes back to his college days and certainly last year with KPJ. Jabari Smith is going to be the linchpin of this team for the future. I think he is as elite as Evan Mobley and Jaron Jackson in terms of a prospect. I was always over him in terms of Paolo for last year's draft. I understand Paolo's more NBA-ready in year one. But the things Jabari can do contribute to winning at such a high level. This man is Rashard Lewis, who with a lockdown defender. So I (laughs) I love this team. Uh, I love what they're building, and I think the combination of Fred Van Vliet is going to get more open shots because they're going to be pressed elsewhere. The Raptors had no shooting besides Gary Trent. So Fred Van Vliet's catch-and-shoot numbers and his off-ball shooting numbers were, were tough. But now you have Jalen Green and Jabari who are like a slasher and a sniper. So you have Shangoon who can hit a mid-range. You have all these other options to start spacing the floor. We know Dylan Brooks can't take a shot, but he'll certainly take them. Um But yeah, they're going to not only be hard to score, but they're going to be able to get their players in the right spots offensively. So I think this team's set to take a major jump. That actually makes me start thinking, Dan, a fun angle to look at this would be to try and find the most improved team odds. I know, Keith, you posted this in the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel the other day for NFL, talking about are the New York Jets going to go from a 7-win to a 12, 13-win team? And you play this awesome angle to have the most plus wins from – Last season to this season. If that's the Houston Rockets this season and we can get that yeah. at, you know, five to one, six to one, seven to one, that's a nice little escalator angle to play the Rockets over.
2: Yeah. Let's see if that exists. And we didn't even mention everyone's favorite third overall dynasty pick here in Amon Thompson, who uh, I'm pretty high on long term. I think he's going to maybe have a rough rookie season here. We'll see. But uh, I'm very encouraged by his defensive abilities as well and what he brings to the table for the Rockets, too.
0: Is it weird that I think Jock Landale might be the most important of those pieces? <laughs> I, no, <laughs> check my Twitter, Dan. I've said it before and they come screaming for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You can't say anything bad about Alper and Shang-Gun or the whole Shang-Gun. damn world. Is, they will they will cut our throats here on this podcast. He's fun, but he really doesn't yeah. guard anybody. And on a team that's going to try to win now, his his minutes are going to get challenged in a way that they kind of weren't. Li- I mean, he was losing minutes last year to Usman Garuba. <laughs> who I personally hadn't heard of until last year. Uh, Jock Landell is like a legitimate basketball player. I I, I know that mm-hmm. a lot of the, a lot of the response was, well, Hey, at least they didn't bring in Brooke Lopez. Cause that would have completely crushed Shangoon. Um, I still think this is going to hurt him. It's going from basically having no backup to having a competent one. I and
1: Ime is the guy who prioritizes rim protection defense as the, core centerpiece of what the entire team is doing. Like we look at what the Celtics did with Horford and Rob Williams and a lot of teams starting to mimic that. He is definitely going to bring that over to Houston. So if if Shangun is having sh- trouble being the first line of defense against a interior defender or he can't even slide over, which I think is really going to be the problem, his ability to slide and protect and be a back end help. We are looking at uh Shangun not because of his lack of talent, just because the way he plays the game in comparison to the way his new coach wants to develop a team, yeah. they are just going to clash. And Landell fits perfectly, so I think Landell's a very serious threat to be getting, you know, eighteen to twenty-two minutes consistently. And then I think they're also going to want to play Jabari at the yeah, five for eight-minute stretches too, because he's incredibly elite defensively, and then he opens up so much of what you can do and run offensively, which yeah. fits with the rest of the young guys. When you do bring in a KPJ, when you are sitting. Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks putting Jabari at that five makes just such perfect sense. So I think Shangun is, is in a tough position in we're if we're talking the fantasy basketball landscape, yeah. he's going to be overdrafted. I,
0: I, open I tickled, up a, I tickled the, but, I tickled the fantasy twine just for a minute here. I go ahead, Keith.
2: I was going to say, and open up some minutes also for Tar Easton, who we haven't mentioned either, but a very athletic guy that um, a lot of people are high on, uh, including myself. So um, I think that's a good, good point there of uh, shifting Jabari to the, the center position.
0: And for me, you know, you guys know that on the fantasy side, I always try to oversimplify things. And so for me, I'm looking at, I'm like, okay, look, Shangun had 29 minutes a game last year. If someone's coming in that might average 21 as his backup, or even 18 as his backup. And then you've got three, four minutes of Jabari at the five. That's just less. That's just less that's left over. And that's kind of all you really need to worry about when you're looking at the fantasy side is will the minutes decrease? Will the chances decrease? And, unfortunately that's probably what's going to happen uh fiddle was that your that i assume the rockets was your third that was the segue there yeah yep thumbs up he says uh keith <laughs> keith round us out here with your fourth and final one
2: so this is uh, a little bit similar to, to uh early one fiddle had but uh this this bets no longer exists anywhere so i do apologize um Goes but i have bet. to show the hornets <laughs> <laughs> I do have the Charlotte Hornets over 29.5 wins at minus 115 on Fanduel. I took that at a max bet, uh, which I hardly ever do. I don't do that very often anymore, but uh, I did that with the Charlotte Hornets here. Uh, look, Miles Bridges, um, you know, legally, ethically, uh, all kinds of weeds there. And I don't want to get into that. I, you know, but his rapport with Lamelo Ball was through the roof when he was playing. He's coming back. Um, you know, he hasn't been injured. He's presumably been able to play basketball, and keep his body in shape. I think it's going to be a huge uh you know addition for them. Obviously, uh Brandon Miller, uh not a huge Brandon Miller guy going forward, you know, long term, but I think in terms of NBA readiness and ability to shoot the basketball and score the basketball, uh he's going to be such a huge addition to this team, especially if Gordon Hayward inevitably gets injured again. I think he'll step into that role and be able to play uh, quite a few minutes right off the bat. But, you know, if C- Gordon Hayward stays healthy, I mean, Gordon Hayward is uh undervalued at this point now as well, so um i think he's a piece that people have just forgotten about as well i, I just love the recipe here i think he, they won what 40 something wins uh, two seasons ago uh you know it was it was a high number and 29.5 just seems so ridiculously low to me and it's already come up now so obviously there's a lot of people betting that and there's steam going to the over there um whatever the line is now i think i think i still would get in on the over there probably not max bet but just a one unit bet uh it looks like 31.5 right now on, on uh, DraftKings, but you might be able to find 30.5 other places but um yeah. I really just think that this is a bounce back season for the Hornets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I, I still like the over, even at 31 and a half, I just seeing like what they were able to do a couple seasons back. And then last year when they almost immediately pivoted into losing with LaMelo ball and his injury stuff, that this is just a lot of things pointed in the right direction. Mike, I don't actually know your feelings on the Hornets. I'm curious. I think this team could go either direction. I think they might be selling parts and trying to get rid of Gordon
1: and Terry and playing more Booknight and Kai Jones, in which case that's a disaster. Uh, but I also am very in on Lamelo. Like, I love Lomelo. I know Bridges has his off-court stuff, but he's a fantastic basketball player. Brandon Miller is a phenomenal Paul George looking-like prospect. I don't know how good he's going to be in year one. Then we look – Off the court and what things that they're dealing with that I always reference, they have P.J. Washington unsigned right now as a restricted free agent. They're going to get him back on an absolute bargain. It seemed like they had a chance of not bringing him back. It probably likely Keith took the bet when P.J. might have been getting a bag from somewhere else and the Hornets were going to let him walk for nothing. It has gotten to the point in the offseason where we're still wondering why P.J. Washington is unsigned. And teams don't have the cap space. So he is not going to get the money that he originally wanted. So he's going to get a very small deal, probably a one or two year type contract so he can get back to the open market and not be a restricted free agent. Bulls,
2: so give him that one exception. Go, 10.4 million, come on. There
1: you go. There you go. <laughs> and if that happens, Keith, the Hornets are a gazillion percent matching that. So yes, then that right. means he's coming back to the Hornets on 10.4, which, I mean, that helps your over. He's a very much a winning, versatile player. He's one of those guys, just like Jabari, who could play the five and he could shoot and he is a little bit of a playmaker. Um, And then if we look at, you know, they kept the same coach. They should be a little bit healthier this year. Uh, East, again, is weaker around them. So, yeah, I don't mind it. You could play the 30.5. I just checked for Keith while he was talking. 30.5 is available on FanDuel at only minus 105 juice. So You're not even paying standard VIG for that, and you can get it at 30.5. So if you want to join in on Keith, which I don't mind, it would be taking that 30.5 at Vandal.
0: Yep, that's that's where I, I would. <laughs> that's where I'm going. I think they try to win. I, I just, I feel like last year left such a nasty taste in all of their mouths. And I think they were going to try to win last year until LaMelo went down. The health yeah. to me has to be the thing though. If that, if that comes unglued early, then the whole thing also comes apart again. But and LaMelo none of us played.
1: mentioned that, you know, they have a new ownership coming in. Like they, yeah, they yeah. are
0: about to, the reason why MJ has not only
1: wanted to sell, but truth be told for some people who are in NBA circles has almost been pushed to sell is because all of these other teams started by Mark Cuban when he took over the Mavs have gone massively upgrading into their player performance, into their practice facilities, into their team playing and stuff. And the Charlotte Hornets, sadly, have always been way behind these other teams. So now they have an influx of new money coming in. They have an influx of new young players coming in they have a chance at a really new culture in Charlotte, which is a great basketball city. Uh, You know, Duke and UNC are both very close by to Charlotte. So you have some mega basketball fans in that North Carolina area. And I think uh, you could could see the Charlotte Hornets become a fan favorite if they, you know, play well and, you know, get some new merch and the team playing, you get some cool social stuff from it. So I think that the players – might have an easier time between games, might have better flights, might have a better recovery schedule. Those little
0: things can add up and make a big difference. Yeah, the all-vibes yeah, the all vibes team, that's what, <laughs> that's what that comes down to. Keith, go ahead.
2: And I think it bears mentioning that Mitch Kupchak himself said that you are in it to win it, and you when know, uh, they had a chance to take, take Scoot Henderson, who I believe, and I'm sure many, many basketball fans believe, is going to be a better prospect uh, long-term. Than Brandon Miller. They went Brandon Miller because he's the better piece right now that fits next to the pieces they have. So that leads me to believe that they're not going to um, sell in mass. I could see them trading Gordon Hayward. I could see them trading uh, Terry Rozier, who's still on the team, obviously. Um, you know, those pieces I think are tradable, but i also think you get really good pieces back if you do trade those pieces because pieces, you know, other teams do want those guys on their team. So
0: I'm um, not all that upset if they got rid of Gordon Hayward. Anyway, he, uh, he was moving, he was moving at about like 40% speed all of last year. I mean, maybe he, maybe he gets some of that burst back this season, but that dude was, that dude was moving like molasses last year. That was kind of hard to watch for stretches. He had, there was, there was something that was markedly different with him. Um, But anyway, I don't want to derail us too much here. gentlemen, uh this was wonderful i'm so sad that i uh made everybody wait this long and i'm also very apologetic that i made you guys wait this long while i worked my way through all of all illness stuff here uh mike final thoughts on uh just just win totals as a whole because i think someone dropped into one of our mentions and was like i can't have my bankroll tied up for that long i know you have thoughts on that
1: um yeah i think if you're ever concerned about a few units being tied up in a bankroll for a few months, then your unit exposure is way too high. Um, I have my units are (laughs) 1.2% of my total bankroll. So when I'm betting three or four units in NBA futures, that's like 4.5% of my total betting bankroll. I don't need that liquidity on a night to night, week to week basis. I only bet the NBA and NFL. So therefore I don't have these high volume slates like a Sunday football correlating with an MLB slate that's big and in the playoffs and then the NBA is just starting to that does not happen for me. Um, So I can tie up futures value wherever I see value. I actually have like at most times about 50% of my bankroll in futures because these markets move a lot and they're great indicators for how to play actual game to game angles. So I like working off futures and, and building out futures portfolios is a big part of what I do. And of course, attacking win totals when the line drops. And we've already mentioned Keith a game ahead on the Hornets, me two games ahead on the Raptors, a game ahead on the the Rockets, two games ahead on the Spurs. These things make a huge difference. So if you're going to forego games of closing line value, we call it CLV, then you're really that's that's not a winning sports betting practice. You need to have tight bankroll management philosophies. You need to bet early. You need to get ahead of closing lines to exceed your uh to have plus ev expected value in your bets you want your implied probability of your bet ticket to exceed the price in the odds that you paid for it that might be gibberish to some people um but yeah (laughs) I, i i i think bet early bet often keep that bankroll tight and hit the lines where you see value and of course you don't have to bet Dan, you you talk about this on your show all the time where you say we're going over all 30. But not all thirty are bets. We don't have to bet no, the power God, no. of the better here. The 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 book has to price every line, right? They have to leave it up for us. We're even seeing books put up the Portland line or the or the or the Miami line because they want to have those lines up because betters want them, but we don't know where Dane's gonna go. We don't know how this Arden situation is gonna play out. So we've had these teams offline for a bit. Now it'd be online because these books want the business. So as a better, we don't have to give them business in lines that we don't see value. So also learn the power. While I say bet early and bet often and find the right lines, also understand that you don't need to bet 30 win totals. You can bet three or four of them and pick mm-hmm. off the right ones where you see value and then let the rest ride.
0: Ah, I love it. Keith, wrap us up here before I take it, before I roll into the outro. Yeah, just to,
2: just to back that up, absolutely. I think, you know, in terms of volume, um, you know, keep your volume Um as, as much as you're comfortable with. I mean, if you want to put 10 or 11 bets out there, just make sure that your unit size makes sense, um, you know, because you're going to have those streaks where you have a month where you lose units. I do. Uh, you know, everyone does. Everyone that's even a professional better has a, a month here or there, a two-month stretch maybe even, where they're not winning uh, units. And, that, and that's okay. You can absorb that if you do smart bankroll management. Um, I have a little bit less tied up in futures than Fiddle does, but uh, at the same time, you know, the worst it can be is a inconvenience, you know. Hey, I have, you know, eighty percent of my uh, bankroll over on DraftKings in futures. Now I have to maneuver my money around from BetMGM or or FanDuel or whatever into that uh, sportsbook. It's not that big of a deal. You can do it. Um, just make sure that you're you make sure you're tracking it. Make sure you you have a tracker. Uh, you're keeping track of everything you're doing so you know what you have out there.
1: Dan, can I promo one thing before we get out of here? Of course. So as of today, big news, I released a gambling Substack which is going to be kind of a newsletter where I'm sending out some market updates about the gambling lines, about where some of these lines are dropping, what lines are new, how to approach some of these, some strategy stuff. It's completely free. You could just follow me, you could the link is on my Twitter, or you could just go to the Fiddle Picks Substack and you will see it there. I think it's fiddlepicks.substack.com. Uh, Again, completely free. You're going to get three emails a week throughout the NFL season with some bets, some write ups, some strategy angles, some just kind of basic market watches. And then, um, yeah, I think that's going to be a great, uh, you know, just launching today. And I'm hopeful that it's going to take off and be great.
0: That's beautiful, man. The brain on this son of a gun is something to behold. It is really, uh, it is majestic. He is at. Fiddles Picks on Twitter. If you need to get a refresh on anything that he just told you, that's the place to do it. Fiddles Picks. Uh, uh, no underscores or anything like that. That's on Twitter. Keith is at Ethos Keith on Twitter, as in sports ethos, but without the word sports. I am at Dan Vaspers on Twitter. Massive, massive thank you to my two unbelievable one believable sports ethos guests here on the show today. I am Dan Baspris. Have a delightful Monday. I'm so happy I had actual time today to be able to join you guys and put this thing together, uh, and we'll see everybody over on the Internet. So long for now. Thanks, guys.